This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, thanks for giving me some time. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. And I want to thank all of you who have been loyal to me throughout the course of 2023. And if you don't mind, if you've not done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. And I want to remind you, regardless of where you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple, doesn't matter. You can watch the interviews. You can watch the podcast on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you like. And thank you very much for spreading the word that the Macker is uh, is not dead yet. Not done flapping gums about the games people play. And this, at the end of December, it is necessary for me to do the year in review show. And it's not a positive one, but I want to give you some positives and what could be more encouraging than Connor Bedard's performance in the Blackhawks overtime win over Winnipeg Wednesday night two to one or two to one is the final. Bedard scored his 14th and 15th goals of the year. The game winner two minutes in change into overtime, all from the deep slot. The snapshot, just a thing of beauty. But the Hawks, <laughs> the Hawks. Uh, only one team in the West has fewer points than the Hawks do right now, I think. So it's a, it's a tough putt long-term. But anyway, there's reason to be excited about the future. Maybe not necessarily this spring, but a spring in your future will include a playoff team, whether it'll be the Hawks or the Bulls first. I'm not quite sure. 2023 in the rearview mirror is a good thing for all of us. A couple of quick positives. The the player of the year in Chicago is without question Cody Bellinger of the Cubs. He was the National League's comeback player of the year winner. Um, what, his OPS was 882 or something like that. He drove in 97 runs. He batted 307. He willed that team to victory on occasion when they needed it and uh, was the biggest reason why the Cubs were the best team in baseball for three or four weeks of the 2023 season. Of course, the season falls short, even though nobody had high expectations going in necessarily. The Cubs did finish four games above the 500 mark. Since, however, the biggest acquisition has been manager Craig Council. That's the big move for the next season. They've got a great coaching staff and very smart people. They tested well when they were young. They got accepted into fancy colleges. The White Sox, you know their story. It was dreadful. They finished 40 games below the 500 mark. A PR nightmare. Jerry Reinsdorf gives the middle finger to the few fans who remain of this team nearing the end of the calendar year when he threatens to go to Nashville. And if the Sox decide they're going to go to Nashville, man, I I don't even know if it's going to make much of a fuss. I suppose 
We will feel sad for a little while when that happens. It's not going to happen anytime soon, and it's likely Nashville will get an expansion team. And the White Sox will remain Chicago, but uh, just a nightmare of a year for the White Sox. And the Bears were not a playoff team officially in 2023 because that's when each season ends now, the regular season spilling into January these last few years. That's the case again this year. The Bears playing the Packers in Week 18, their 17th game. That's following this week's game against Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. Boy, what a way to ring in the new year, huh? Bears and Falcons on Sunday. So the Bears finished 3-14, and and they wasted August. They wasted September. Matt Eberflus likely in the midst of saving his job with the way the defense has performed the last seven or eight weeks. And I I don't grit my teeth over that as much as I did. And, and maybe it's because I'm accepting the fate that is down the road, that is Eberflus's survival. But uh, I think the arrival of Montez Sweat has given some people reason to feel radically better about where the Bears are defensively moving forward. And once Sweat was added to the mix, the big free agent signings of Tremaine Edmonds and um, Edwards, the linebacker, T.J. Edwards, were more were more prevalent. They performed at a higher level as well, and the Bears have taken it over a lot more consistently. They have been a good defensive team, really love the way Kyler Gordon has played. He has impressed me as much as anybody on the Bears defense this year. I I think he's been terrific and secondary is the strength of the team. But three and fourteen last year, top pick in the draft, probably not going playoff in this year. If they do, they will be the seventh seed, likely, uh, which was they were the first seventh seed in the history of seven playoff teams representing each conference when the NFC expanded to add a seventeen. Both conferences did it, actually. A few years ago, the Bears lost to the Saints in a game most of us have forgotten. That's right. Matt Nagy, in his second to the last year, went to the playoffs for a second time in his four years as the Bears head coach. The Bulls finished a couple games below 500 last year, and everybody is excited to see the end of the Zach Levine era. The guy who comports himself like a superstar gets paid like a superstar, and it seems like when he is gone, the team plays at a higher level. Offensively, there's more congruity. Uh, it's, this is from accounts other than my own. These are not my observations. These are the observations of those who pay attention to this sort of thing. I myself do not. I'm not in a bulls kind of mode. So there is the picture painted for all of the teams. I didn't mention the Blackhawks who were a lousy club last year, obviously missing the playoffs and getting the number one pick. Uh, Connor Bedard, the 15th goal of the year last night, the difference maker. They beat Winnipeg 2-1 to one in overtime, and the Bedard story has not come without a gnashing of teeth. As we continue to look at 2023 with such, you know, such disdain and such pain that it caused, I mean, it wasn't just on the field. It was off the field as well. 
it was Corey Perry and his departure from the Blackhawks and the embarrassment that caused the organization and the potential for damage to an 18-year-old ego and their budding superstar. The obituaries that came with this year also came with sour feelings because they involved people who were very human. Bobby Hull, when he died back in February, and Rocky Wirtz, and the recanting of of Hull as a spousal abuser became the lead story, not Bobby Hull has passed away. It, it was all about what he did when Richard Nixon was in office, for Christ's sake. Rocky Wirtz, everybody wanted to point immediately. I shouldn't say everybody. A high percentage of people wanted to point immediately to how the Blackhawks dropped the ball colossally from a moral and ethical standpoint regarding Kyle Beach. Yes, we know that. Is that the lead? Rocky Wirtz is the best owner in Chicago history in my lifetime, and everybody painted him as the devil as well. When Bobby Knight died, although that's more of a national figure than it is local, there were a lot of ties. Isaiah Thomas, of course, from the 75, the 76 perfect team, uh, Chicago guy. There was grave dancing involved there. Pat Fitzgerald fired as Northwestern's football coach, painted by many people as the college football antichrist. Man, I don't think it's exaggerating to suggest if you wanted to give the 21st century in Chicago sports an enema, you stick the tube in the ass of 2023. Really. Every team missed the playoffs. Most teams embarrassed themselves along the way. The Cubs were the only team that didn't. And they fell short. It was a year of gnashing teeth and calling names and pointing fingers and looking forward to the future that didn't include the current participants at the highest levels on every team in town. There has not been a darker year since the score signed on, since Chicago's first sports yapper signed on in 92, and I was the afternoon host when that happened, and I can't tell you a year that was worse than this one, not just on the field, but off it. 0 for 5 in playoff appearances, and in the cases of the White Sox and the Bears, a lot of embarrassment off the field. I haven't even gotten to the two assistant coaches who left during the season, Matt Eberflus' assistants, because of HR reasons. It has been a shit fest of a year. But in the darkness, I want to share with you a couple of stories that leave me feeling good about about a couple of people I one I know very well and one I hadn't spoken with in almost 25 years until a couple of months ago and they are Chicago sports people you will remember the name Eric Kramer from his days in a Bears uniform in 1995 and you will remember the name Harry Tynowitz from my afternoon show the Mac Yurko and Harry show on ESPN 1000 between 01 and 09 couple months ago, I visited with Eric Kramer for an hour, and he has a book that has just been published. It's self-published, The Ultimate Comeback, in which he details his struggle with depression, 
surviving a suicide attempt in 2015 when he put a handgun under his jaw, pulled the trigger, the bullet crushed his palate, ripped through his tongue, ripped through his brain. Cognitively, he wasn't functional for some time. He wanted to die because four years prior, this was part of the reason he wanted to die. His son, Griffin, who was 18 at the time, overdosed on heroin and died. Eric had gone through a divorce. Eric learned in his 20s he suffers from clinical depression, not sadness, the kind of depression that overwhelms you at the most inopportune times when you don't have enough serotonin in your brain to have happy feelings, when you want to be left alone. And Eric learned that when he was with the Bears, that he suffers from depression. He couldn't enjoy his 95 season when he set a Bears record for most passing yards in a single season of 3,838, and that record still stands today. His story is magnificent because he was driven to his knees. He was he was a guy who worked so very hard to get everything he got. He was not a guy with a silver spoon up his ass, a guy who had the world by the short and curlies. He had to go the junior college route, took a whack at North Carolina State, managed to be a starter there. The NFL didn't want anything to do with him initially. He went to the CFL. Briefly got shots in Atlanta and New Orleans, and then Detroit gave him a chance, and he quarterbacked the Lions to a playoff victory after the 91 season. In January of 92, they beat the Cowboys. To this day, that remains the last playoff win for the Detroit Lions. And then he came to the Bears. But his his journey he's he's had to battle his entire life, and you wouldn't you wouldn't recognize it. You would you would look at Eric Kramer, and you would see this guy in his late fifties who was handsome, who was a former professional athlete, and you would it would be easy for you to judge, as I did when I met him years ago, a book by its cover, and think this guy's had it all his life. This guy's had you know he's had looks, he's had talent, he's. He's just, he plays the part of superstar, but his world was not that growing up, nor was it that as a young professional athlete or before he got to the NFL. And his life after the NFL was a disaster because he and his wife did, his ex wife did everything they could for their son Griffin. They were very much involved in Griffin's life, and Griffin fell prey to opioids like so many tens of thousands of American teenagers have done in the last 10 years. Eric is such a good spokesman for mental health, and I encourage you to check out his book, The Ultimate Comeback. My conversation with him was so heartening because I had a little I had a little flare-up with Eric late in his playing career. I think it was the 97 season, early in the season, we had a little uh, little flare-up, and we hadn't talked but once since then until October, and it was, it was nice to reconnect, and he sounds so together. 
And you can tell when he tells his stories. If you check out any of the interviews he's done over the last couple of months promoting the ultimate comeback, you will hear a guy, you will, it's obvious how much he has put into his recovery and how much he understands the nature of the illness of depression and of addiction and of recovery from suicide. He is a tremendous spokesperson for mental health awareness. And his former teammates, Lomas Brown of the Lions, Jim Morrissey of the Bears, and some others have told me they absolutely love his company whenever they get a chance to see him at one of the team's reunions. Harry Tynowitz got another chance six months ago. My partner at ESPN 1000 in the afternoon was going to die if he didn't get a liver transplant. And when ESPN Radio invited us to do um, a short segment at the House of Blues in late March to celebrate the station's 25th birthday. I didn't think Harry was going to be able to make the event. I had spent some time with him in the late winter, and he was incredibly weak. He was bruising very easily. He needed a liver transplant yesterday, and that was in January. We roll into late March. He still didn't have a match. Several donors did not match, and it was dire. I I thought at the time, and because we're six months past the liver transplant now, I can say it, and he is doing okay. I talked with him last week. He's He's getting stronger. He's frustrated by some things. Harry likes to eat, and he has to watch everything he eats. And he has kept weight off, amazingly, long before he discovered his liver dysfunction. And his heart issues are another story. But the liver transplant, I told people quietly how important it was for us to promote organ transplants on social media. In the off chance, someone may see it who might know somebody who is donating a liver. The off chance that Twitter or Facebook or TikTok or Instagram, some outlet might give us a fighting chance to give him a new liver because I thought he was going to die by midsummer. And I, I verbalized that to people. And Harry and I had our share of fights when we worked together. Yet we we were like brothers as much as anybody I ever worked with in that regard. We could MF each other to our faces and the next day we were over it. And then sometimes we both would cash old checks. But what was lost in the shuffle during that show's ascent to, I guess you could say stardom. It was a pretty good four or five years, zero, five, six, seven, and eight. Show did some things no sports show previously had done in Chicago. It was it was well known that we were rivals, that we, you know, had conflict. We did it on the air and did it off the air. But when we traveled together, he was my go-to guy. He was the guy I would call to hang with. It wasn't Johnny the good kid. It was Harry. Harry was more my guy than Yurko for a lot of reasons. <laughs> Uh, hangability. And uh, he also was the show's mule. I ceased to be that after 9-11 and didn't travel marijuana anymore, but Harry had no problem with that. So 
Call me 10 minutes after you uh, after you get into your room, Harry, and I'll meet you somewhere. He got his liver. I didn't I didn't think he would get this far into the calendar year if he did not. And I am so grateful for for that because he's a good dude. And um, he used to be called Happy Harry. And for some time now, he hasn't been that. And his his closest friends and family members who have known him over the years have been discouraged and dispirited by how he has been down. But he's managed to pull it up by the bootstraps and tackle all of these challenges and all of the administrative gymnastics that have to be done whenever there are serious health complications and long-term hospital stays. Any of you who have gone through that in recent years know exactly what I'm talking about. Since the pandemic busted in the winter of 2020, medical help in this country has become a very difficult arrangement. And it's frustrating. And insurance hiccups take longer to get settled. And when your situation is as grave as needing a liver transplant, that weighed on the man. And he is my friend, and I am um, I'm honored to be his friend. And I'm 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 glad that we were able to reconnect several times leading up to his liver transplant. And I I've seen him a time or two since then, and hope to maybe catch an NFL playoff game with him. But, you know, looking ahead to 2024, forget the sports stuff. It's the health um, that matters. It's the relationships we make through our jobs, whether they are as a sportscaster or as an athlete, as a teacher, as a coach, whatever you do for work, those relationships tend to be very meaningful. And I think that art does imitate life. And when we see that in film, that guys who work together hang out together, whether they're guys in their 30s, like the guys who worked at Smart Tech in the 40-year-old Virgin, or J.K. Simmons as uh, Paul Rudd and Andy Samberg's father in I Love You, Man, who's on the phone with his best buddy from uh, AT&T, IBM. IBM, he worked at uh, for 30 years. Once a week, twice a week, they're on the phone, 30 minutes a week. Hank Mardukas. Those are the relationships you make along the way if you love what you do. And um, and those are meaningful relationships. And uh, Steve McMichael, with uh, with whom I worked at ESPN, with Tynowitz, between 01 and 09, battling Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Um, I, I sure hope... He makes it long enough because that has been his desire, I'm told, from those who know Steve. Gary Fensick shared that with me recently in an interview, that um, he wants to live even though he cannot make speech and cannot raise his arms and has not been able to do either of those for many months now. And in case you didn't know, the way ALS patients communicate is by eye movement to letters on a screen. They spell the letters to their family members, to the medical team, by staring at the letters on a chart to spell them out. And uh, he has expressed that he wants to continue. Bless him. 
he's he embodied what the Chicago Bears franchise was supposed to be all about. He's one tough son of a bitch, and I was I was proud to be his friend. I want to wish all of you a happy new year and all of the best for you and your family in 2024. I hope sports brings you joy over the new year. I hope the college football playoff is exciting and nobody has any serious injuries, whether they're going to the NFL or never going to play on Sundays. It doesn't matter. Football's a rough game. We all love it. Most of us really, really love it, but it's a nasty-ass game. Anyway, have a great holiday season. I'll be back very, very soon. I'll have Bears post against Atlanta for you on the 2nd of January. Adam Delavitt is the guy who takes care of everything at the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. My producer, Sam Michael, thank you for a job well done. Randy Merkin and all of the guys behind the scenes, like Troy Mocker and Alex Pastor. Thank you for what you do. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Dan McNeil. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.